Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Inspiring Brains Podcast with Nick Thielen. This episode here is episode seven, and today's episode features none other than Cassius Morris. Uh, Cassius Morris is a YouTuber um, and podcaster. Uh, he hosts the Cassius Morris Show, uh, which has featured some amazing guests like Terry Crews, uh, Ace, Ace Freely, Eric Singer, and Gene Simmons from KISS. Uh, John Dunsworth, who played Mr. Leahy on Trailer Park Boys, The Late Great. Um, also, uh, in the podcast you'll hear, he's interviewed people like George Trombolopoulos, uh, Adam Carolla, Terry Crews, and the list goes on and on. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. I'll let you listen to it for yourselves. But I was very pleased to have um, Cassius on the show. Uh, not only do I look up to him, I'm just generally entertained uh, and I really like his content that he puts out, so he is someone that I look up to, and I'm glad that I was able to have him on the show. Um, uh, before I uh, headed over to our podcast here, I just want to say thanks to everybody for their support, uh, and a reminder that if you want to support the show, uh, please go to Spotify and follow the podcast, or if you are listening on uh, Apple uh, podcasts, you can um, subscribe to the show. That way, every time you, um, every episode that I upload, you'll be notified. And that way I know, you know, I've got a constant stream of listeners. Thanks to everybody who has liked the page so far. Um, I just want to say, give a little bit of a message here. Um, a good friend of mine, or a friend of mine that I knew from university, has unfortunately passed away. Um, so I want to just say uh, condolences to uh, Jocera um, Nickel, who unfortunately I, I I only met briefly, but she was an amazing person, a very happy person, and uh, she was very nice to everybody who she um, crossed paths with. Um, very friendly and outgoing person. Um, so condolences to her family. I'm going to be dedicating an upcoming show to her. Um, also wanted to let you guys know I'll be headlining a sh- co-headlining, co-headlining a show at Heritage Lanes here in Red Deer on July 7th with my good friend J.R. Bjornsson. Uh, that'll be the unofficial kickoff to our Two Broke Men in a Van tour. Um, and I'm really excited to, to sort of do that first unofficial tour in comedy. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing this podcast, so thanks very much for everybody that's tuned in. Um, and I want to give a shout out quickly to uh, Zachary Landry, who just started a new show. It's a it's a show that every Thursday, if you want to check it out, um, it's in downtown Red Deer, uh, in a venue called Here to Mars, um, which is a seven o'clock show every Thursday. If anybody's in Red Deer and wants to check that out, also the tickets for the July seventh show at Heritage Lanes. Uh, you can go to Red Deer Comedy and get those, or you can contact me directly, either through the Inspiring Brains podcast page or um, through uh, my personal page or through the or through the Nick Thielen Comedy page. Uh, thanks so much for everybody that supported it. I hope you guys enjoy this uh, episode uh, featuring um, Cassius Morris. And again, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, be kind to each other, and we'll see you on the next episode. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Inspiring Friends Podcast with Nick Thielen. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, today, my guest is K. 
Cassius Morris from the uh, Cassius Morris Show and Tom Keys on CJSR. Uh, a little bit about Cassius. Uh, Cassius has been doing uh, radio and YouTube since he was nine years old. Uh, and the Cassius Morris Show is uh, an in-depth entertainment podcast where he interviews some of the biggest names in music and comedy, uh, covering a wide variety of genres. Uh, he also does uh, solo narrative segments. Uh, Cassius's show is relaxed, a candid style of interviewing that creates a stimulating environment for guests and listeners alike, giving the fans a chance to communicate via social media and interact with with everybody on his show. And he also is a, a co-host of the uh, Comic Genius show on CJSR, as I mentioned, where he takes, where him and uh, Norm Shot take listeners on an inside tour of the green room where they meet comics after performances. Uh, you'll hear from up-and-coming comics on his show, uh, local headliners, and clips from comedians and comedy musicians uh, and learn about what motivates them and inspires them. Uh, it's an unscripted show that airs uh, every Wednesday at midnight. Cassius, how are you today? Hey, my man, I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for the for the introduction and for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and some of your guests include uh, people like Terry Crews, and I know from listening to some of your episodes, you're a big fan of Kiss, and you've interviewed people like Gene Simmons, Eric Singer, and Ace Freely from Kiss, as well as Adam Silva, yeah. and and uh, the late great uh, John Dunsworth, who played uh, Mr. Leahy on uh, Trailer Park Boys. Um, so, wow, that's quite a quite the company of just some of your guests that, that you've interviewed. Um, what was that like for you when you first? Can you tell me a little bit about how you first got started in uh, in radio and, and in, with YouTube? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, essentially, it it really started. It, it was almost an interest that bled into everything that I ever consumed as a child. So you know, I would just be watching TV, and, and we'd be watching a lot of much music, and it'd be music videos. And in between, you'd have like the VJs come on and do their little segments. Uh, and they'd also interview bands. And for some reason, that part was the part that always stood out the most to me. Um, and just a little side note, maybe an ex ex exclusive for your podcast. I'm actually doing an interview with uh, George Strombolopoulos, who was actually one of those VJs is how he started off. Now he's, of course, an entertainment icon in Canada. But yeah, he's coming cool. on the show next week. Yeah, so there's an exclusive for you. But nonetheless, it started <laughs> there. Um, and then it, it sort of just once I, I got a little older, I was like nine. Uh, I was downloading a lot of music on iTunes, and then I checked out the podcast section. I figured, why not just check it out? Um, and from there, I listened to Adam Carolla, which was on the top of the charts. I listened to Joe Rogan on top of the charts, of course, when he was just getting started. Um, so I sort of got exposed to podcasting at a really good time. It was like 2008 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, as you mentioned, Kiss, I said, hey, you know, maybe there's a Kiss podcast. So I looked that up, and then I realized you can do a podcast about whatever you want. Um, and maybe that would, might be a good way to connect with some of these people that I'm interested in. So that was initially how it started. I wanted to do a Kiss fan magazine, uh, but I figured that's too old style and takes too much time and, and more money even than a podcast. 
So that's sort of how I got started to start talking about KISS and say, let's see what kind of impact I can make in that little community. Right, because I mean, uh, unfortunately with today's media, you know, like magazines and newspapers are fading a little bit. So, but you know, uh, podcasts are, are pretty hot and trending and you can get your content out pretty quick. You don't have to worry about uh, printing press or, or, or when you're going to get your uh, content out, that's kind of up to you. So that's a nice little bonus with that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, and like I guess, um, you know, I've heard some of your interviews, and I heard the one that uh, that you did with uh, Adam Carolla, and uh, and you mentioned in there that uh, that he was kind of one of the guys who gave you your first kind of big start, or was he one of your first big interviews? Um, you have certain people that you that you look up to that are your, that are your mentors or, or people that helped you get to where you are now? Yeah, 100%. Um, Adam, you know, for P- anybody who doesn't know the history, I first went on the Adam Carolla show as a caller when I was like 11 years old. And uh, it like I had been calling and calling trying to get on before, but I was, they thought I was too young. And then when I first got through at that age, Adam was like, Cass just said, have you called in before? And I was like, no, I've tried, but, but like, I never got through. And we always had like a weird chemistry of like this kid and Adam Carolla, like just right from the get go. So then at a certain point I was 16 and I called in again and they, at that point, they didn't remember any of the past stuff, but I called in to Adam and I said, what are some tips for becoming a successful podcaster? I want to move to LA and do this. Um, and at first, Adam was not nice. He relentlessly busted my balls about what I said. He was literally making, pretty much making fun of me, saying that, uh, uh, and I don't know how, how, how dirty we can get on the show, but oh, basically absolutely. saying, <laughs> so basically he said, uh, my parents would probably prefer I, I started a career in gay porn in Los Angeles <laughs> rather than podcasting, and I'd probably make more money. That's what happened. <laughs> so I was yeah. just like, oh man. So then I said, no, Adam, I, like, this is the real deal and I can prove it to you. Uh, so at that point, he said, prove it to me. Okay. You know, the actor Rob Corddry. And I actually didn't know him at the time. And he said, he's in the lobby right now. He said, before I interview him, I want you to interview him. Uh, we're going to bring him in. So we're going to give you five minutes, get some questions, and let's do it. And uh, he, I did it. He put me up there. And he actually was impressed with what I did there, with the questions that I asked, and it made a big impression. So he said, you know what? We want to have you call back in. So then I, he started setting me up with uh, producer meetings on the phone with his producer, Gary. And uh, that was really the first opportunity I ever got to start getting recurring airtime on a major show. I mean, Adam Carolla gets a million downloads per episode, and the impact of that in a city like Edmonton, there's only a million people in Edmonton, so, you know... Right. You, you do the math, it was quite a big impact. So, um, yeah, that's sort of the, the full version. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I've done, I've had Adam on my podcast twice and, uh, you know, we've, we've done many segments and it just always has meant a lot, you know, like this is the guy that I first clicked on just on a whim and he inspired me essentially one of the people that inspired me to pick up a mic. And, you know, so it just, it means the world to have, to have uh, collaborated with him. Well, and uh, like you're in Edmonton right now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're saying um, that you were, you were talking about uh, potentially uh, moving to 
LA or was that kind of just earlier on in your career where you were thinking or when you were younger you were going to move to LA and do that or is that still something you're looking at doing or do you love, yeah, well, love Edmonton and Alberta and want to stay here? Yeah well that's a good question I mean because a lot you hear it a lot in people who are that age 13 14 like I'm going to move to LA and do such and such um, and I would say most of them don't you know, or most of them find a reason to stay where they are, stay closer. Um, I think the thing with me is that I was always saying it and I, I mean, arguably my connections in LA might've even been stronger when I was younger because I pretty much, if I would have gone to LA at that time, I would have pretty much had the keys to the comedy kingdom. Uh, and it would have been insane. But the things that I was forgetting in terms of moving there that weren't even really discussed were like coming into the USA to live there from Canada, how difficult and how long of a process that is and to be able to work. Yeah. Um, and I think that that wasn't discussed when I was 14, 15, 16 because of what I'm saying, because most people aren't serious about it. Um, so now I'm sort of in the transition period where people like my family realize I'm 100% serious. I've been doing this for 11 years um, and I still want to move there. So I'm, I do plan on moving to LA at some point. Um, but I believe it'll probably be British Columbia before that, unless I get lucky and I'm able to make a very smooth, quick transition. But I'm not interested in going to sleeping with the roaches in California. Um, you know, I've I've lived on the cheap for a couple of days in Miami, and I got to sort of experience what that's like, and it's not fun. So uh, I'm trying to plan it smart. Right. That's great. Uh, well, uh, you know, best of luck to you with that. Thank you. I wanted to yeah, ask I appreciate you, that. Uh, no problem. I wanted to ask you uh, with uh, some of your with some of your guests that you've had, like uh, Ace Ace Freely, for example. You said uh, before, like in the intro of your podcast, and I, I could be I could be wrong with this, but did you say um, with that one in particular that took you about ten years to get, or was that decent? Yeah. No, it was actually it was both because. Okay. Uh, I started, it was essentially a goal to, to interview an original member of KISS at that time. Right. And, uh, and then I ended up being able to interview two original members. And just the fact that it was Ace, like, he was always just the most mysterious guy in KISS for me, just because I still feel like people don't even know, like, what, what Ace actually, what his real interests are, what he actually does, like, when he's on the road or goes home. I mean, I think he's a really fascinating guy and uh, just, you know, he is to me personally the ultimate 70s icon uh, because he sort of embodies the family friendly circus element of the 70s while yeah. also embodying the sex, drugs and rock and roll element. So I think it's just incredible. Well, with a band uh, being that famous too, though, I could see him wanting to keep his uh, personal life kind of private, so... <laughs> So that people well, of course, everywhere he goes, right? But um, yeah, you know, it's it's weird to me though. I'm just wondering because you know, um, what's that like trying to get an interview for for you know like decades? Because you know, sometimes here when when you uh, you know you, you got you go for a job interview and you hope to uh, hear back from the person in a couple of days, and then uh, you don't hear you end up not hearing back from them at all, or you. Sometimes I send an email out to somebody and I don't hear back from them for like a week or two. And, you know, maybe uh, you kind of get the sense that 
they're not uh, interested or, or maybe they're just busy with their schedule, but what's that yeah. like to, to, you know, pursue somebody for, for 10 years and, and what, like, what was the, what was the motivating factor to, to keep you going with that? Because, you know, that's a long time to, to, uh, to go to, to try to get an interview. I mean, it's yeah. worthwhile. It's just, I, I've never gone through something like that. Can you tell me a little bit about it or? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's another good question. You know, like it's, and it makes me reflect. Um, it's, it was a situation where it's not like I was calling their manager every day for 10 years, but it's a situation where I was at least once a month be reaching out to somebody or once every couple of months reaching out to somebody for that person. Um, and you know, it's just, it's honestly a, something where I feel like if you put enough and, you know, some people don't believe in things like energy and things like that. I, I, I do, I don't believe in many things related to that. Uh, but you know, I feel like if you put enough energy into something, eventually something's got to let up. Uh, I think it was also easier when I was younger because I was virtually had zero fear of being told no. Um, yeah. And it's also like not even having an understanding of an adult's schedule, especially a multimillionaire businessman, Absolutely. you know? So it's like now that I'm older, it almost makes it more difficult because like pursuing somebody like Drake, who I really want to interview, I understand that that guy is like living people's lifetimes in like three weeks with the amount of places and things that he's doing. And so I understand that now. Um, so I almost feel like, but at the same time, I think it goes to show that that childlike sort of blind faith, if you will, is the key to a lot of this. And if you can keep that, it's, it's not about being a kid. It's just about sort of putting your fear aside and seeing what happens so that's and you know that's something that like people i look up to discuss like people who are very successful um you know you look at you know the childlike energy and people like michael jackson or people like uh kanye west you know something like that so it's just uh so i try to listen to those teachings and keep that and also kind of remember when i was an actual kid doing yeah and i i mean i i I would agree with you there i i think for me you know, the biggest thing there is, is uh, when there's not, when there's not uh, like risk involved, like, uh, and the worst thing somebody can say is no, then, you know, if they say no, then you just, you just move on. But, you know, uh, there's just, there's just a good of a chance of somebody saying no as saying yes. And, and it's always worth a shot. And sometimes when, you know, if money's on the line or something like that, where I get a little bit more worried, but um, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so can I add to I that mean, real quick? Absolutely. Go ahead. I just wanted to add that for anybody who's in, you know, such as yourself, who you describe, you're sort you're in the same process as I am at this point with reaching out to guests and, and things like that. So yeah. I, I would say to people that this is a numbers game. Uh, the only thing about this numbers game is that it's a blind numbers game. You don't know what the numbers are going to be. So there's a one, let's say it's, there's a one in seven chance that week, one of those seven people is going to respond to you. 
when they do, the numbers reset. It could be one in the next 20 the next time. You don't know what the number is going to be, but one of those people is going to respond. It could take months in between. It could take a week. It's just a numbers game. So it's a blind numbers game. So all you have to do is keep reaching out, and then when you hit that number, you're going to get the yes. That's that's my advice for people. Right, because – and, and uh, to further that a little bit, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, because you reach out to a lot of different guests, and, and, you know, I'm not at the same level yet, but uh, hopefully one day I'll get there because I, I will admit to you that you're kind of an inspiration for, for doing this for me because, you know, I, I started watching – some of your videos and I was just kind of like inspired even seeing, you know, the, the uh, interview you did with uh, uh, John Dunsworth. Uh, I, and I believe you said in the interview you were 16, but just, just seeing that, uh, you know, you know, that motivation at, at, at such a young age, that was really cool. Uh, <laughs> kind of makes me wish Thanks, I had man. started earlier, but you know, uh, I'm only in my uh, mid twenties myself. So I think there's still a lot of time to, do a lot of really great and really cool things. Um, yeah, you but, are starting early, man, and I appreciate that. But uh, do you have possibly like a, a favorite memory or an experience from uh, from your career so far? Honestly, um, I think it, it, that's pretty tough, honestly, because yeah. there's a lot of moments. There's a lot of. I think that my if if I could sum it up, my most cherished uh memories are with kiss through this yeah um just because you know it could have been that i just got my photo with my first photo with the band in 2013 and i got a incredible backstage tour and stuff and like the the things that i was able to experience that time are things that people never get to experience you know so that's and it could have just ended there in 2013 um, but the kiss experience, uh, you know, as, is the relationship with them and stuff has gone on till 2018. Uh, and it's, it's still in my life and I'm still, uh, you know, lucky enough to be friends with people, uh, in the band and who work for the band. And it's just, it's sort of the only, uh, part of my childhood that's, that's really left. Um, so that's, yeah. that's really cherished for me. Like, you know, in 2018, this year, sorry, last year. Um, I went to, uh, the kiss, well, I went to the opening of the kiss, uh, farewell tour in mm-hmm. Vancouver. And, yeah. um, that was the time where I was able to get my first working pass for a kiss tour. And we actually had backstage passes that I had earned through my show. Um, and that, that was sort of a moment where I was like, wow, you know, this is really come full circle. So maybe, maybe it could be that moment. And- I mean, uh, since you're a big like Kiss fan, and you know they are doing their farewell tour right now. Like, how do you feel about you know the band and their final tour? And you know, it. I mean, it, it's bittersweet, right? Because you know you, you you wish they could go on forever, but uh, do you feel like um, do you feel like they're they're doing it uh, doing it justice? You know, like I I. Uh, I did see on their website as well. They do uh, kiss cruises and stuff now as well. So you know they're they're creating really unique experiences for for their fans for sure. Uh, how do you feel yeah. like? How, how did you feel about going to their uh, to the farewell tour? Like, what was that show like for you? And 
Um, how do, you know, how do you feel like it's going to affect their legacy as a band? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like it's a very, very unique situation. And it's actually with Kiss, uh, it's the only situation uh, of its kind. Because we've got guys who are not only pushing 70, but they're also in a band with incredible pyrotechnics, incredible sets, and they're wearing 60 pounds of armor on them. Uh, So they're facing a lot more difficulties uh, than the average group. That being said, I think that there's something, there's a lot of merit in knowing your limits. Um, And I believe that potentially this tour could have happened a couple of years earlier. Um, You know, we saw, and I'm, I'm grateful for every KISS experience I've had, but we've seen tours that they've just gone on where there's no album, there's nothing to promote, and they're just sort of repeat tours. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that was quite necessary, and I think that it, it slowed a couple of the members down. So this tour, it's, it's not as picture-esque as I wish it was. I wish there was involvement from the original members. Mm-hmm. Um, and the addition of backing tracks and all this extra stuff at the end has a lot of people upset, so... It's it isn't it isn't as I hoped it would be exactly, but it it was a great show. I'll give you that. It was a fantastic show. You know, we saw the first show of the tour, and they really gave us our money's worth. But it's like, it's it's conflicting. I'll be honest. Okay. Um. And I I was gonna ask you like as a as a podcaster and a radio host, um, because you're con- you're reaching out to so many people. Are there certain uh you know, you said you obviously use email, but um, are there certain social media platforms that you prefer to reach out on, or do you do that kind of thing? Do you find it effective to reach out to somebody on Twitter, for example? Or um, I actually, you know, I don't do that as much now. I'll do it in very select cases where I feel I feel like there'll be audience participation, and and people will will, will sort of encourage it on Twitter, but. Uh, I haven't really got success through that since I was younger. And that's because I guess people were seeing my age as a gimmick, even though I wasn't trying to use it as such. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I originally co- connected with Joey Diaz through Twitter uh, because I just tweeted him my YouTube video that had nothing to do with anything like when I was 12. And he retweeted it because he was probably stoned and he was just like, this kid's hilarious. Check this out. Um <laughs> And then that was it. So it's like, I think that you can connect with people through there, maybe th- through other things, but it's not as effective to say, will you do an interview? Um, but I like to go to people's Instagrams and, and just get their email through there. I find celebrities' uh, DMs get too saturated. Um, you, said, yeah. you said one of your next um, big goals is to interview Drake. And I know you interviewed this uh, new drummer recently. Um, <laughs> you feel yeah. like through through that interview like are you i mean do you feel like you're getting closer to potentially um getting an interview with drake at some point or i mean that's the hope obviously but um yeah no definitely i mean uh definitely through that uh you know that it 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 opens up a new line of visibility i'll put Mm -hmm. it that way um you know 
it's it's one of those things where you know I, when I interviewed Eric Singer, of course, drummer of Kiss, I didn't interview Gene Simmons uh, through him in any way. So it's sort of like it doesn't always mean that. Um, and I, I'm not going to be seeking that out through the drummer, but nonetheless, oh, okay. it, it sort of it sort of shows that. Uh, it sort of shows that it would be possible. It sort of shows that the camp uh, is interested. The camp, uh, this is something that they would lend their name to. Um, yeah. And I've also been seeing other things that are sort of, it, I feel like it's coming. For example, uh, yesterday, Drake and his entire crew were posting Instagram stories watching TMZ Live. Uh, you know, and I've done many right. frequent appearances on TMZ Live. Uh, you know, I also sent Drake a uh, full description about my podcast, including my Instagram link. Uh, and many weeks later, he opened it and looked at it and it was saved in the chat by me. Uh, but it was saved wow. and he got a good look at that. You know, so it's it's just little things like that. I think that the visibility, like these are all signs that I'm on the right track to get to getting the visibility from the right people. So very, cool. very, very much and, hoping. And mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, uh, for people who haven't, uh, you know, heard your podcast before or heard heard your interviews on uh, on on YouTube, how often do you uh, release content, or does it vary based depending on the week or what you've got going on, or do you have a regular schedule? Um, we try to do one a week. Uh, I, I try to do like at least one interview a week, and I try to put out content in between as much as I can. You know, I've, I've for the last couple of years, I've been doing a once a week episode uh, and every Monday. And I, I honestly don't think that that is the answer um, unless you're doing something like Joey Diaz where you're, or like Comic Genius, where, you know, you're just coming in and you're sitting down for two hours. But my show time varies. My show topic varies. My guests vary. The location of where I'm recording varies. Uh, and also it, it depends a lot now on news and how fast I react to that news while it's still right. hot. So that has made it uh, virtually, uh, it makes no sense to have a release date at that point. So I'm stopping that. And I'm also just trying to release the news and reactions and stuff because uh, those are doing very well. And so I can just focus more quality into my interviews because things are going to be sort of changing soon on your on your channel you know you do a lot you do uh, album reviews concert reviews and like you said the reactions and entertainment but i wanted to ask you a little bit about um you know you, you also do the uh, comic genius show on mm -hmm. wednesdays at midnight on cjsr is there a uh with with uh, norm shaw uh, is there a difference for you in like do you find yourself having to like flick a switch and and, and transfer you know between uh, comedians and you know the entertainment or is that kind of is it all in one encompassing or do you find doing the two shows um different or yeah or some of the challenges maybe you face with that if there aren't yeah well and i mean another good question um you know it's it's actually when i first started doing that show i just went in and I was just doing everything business as usual. Um, but, but I think that the feedback that I've gotten, cause me and Norm always talk after the show about like how we feel it went and stuff. Cause uh, we actually, he, he drops me off at my house after 
Um, so that's, that's maybe something that people don't know. So we, we just talk about how the show went. And, um, you know, he's told me that he finds that like, he doesn't want it to get as serious because I go really in depth with my interviews. So let's say in the beginning, a comic would say that they struggle with alcohol. I would be like, so how did that play into your performances and how did that affect you? And if you go deeper into it and it would sort of get less and less funny. Um, right. so now I'm sort of, he, like, I realize he doesn't want, he doesn't want me doing the Cassius Morris show right now. So I was like, that's fair. So now I sort of put my energy just in, uh, into asking more questions to sort of move it along and, and, uh, maybe not be as serious and also right. just trying to get some one-liners in and just, I'm trying to be more joke oriented. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's sort of different, but, uh, I, I almost, it's almost uh, me pushing to be an actual radio, like I have to be an actual radio personality on that show. Because mm-hmm. on my own show, I'm just being myself. You know, with it being a two-hour show, do you find, uh, like, is, is that, is that, like, I don't know the right word, but is it, is it, like, tiring? Or do you find yourself not having enough, or do you find yourself running short on time when you're doing the show? Yeah, I mean... I find, you know, it's actually a challenging show uh, for for that reason. Uh, And due to the time slot, like midnight to 2 a.m., you know, me and Norm aren't aren't couch potatoes, you know, essentially. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, Norm is typically up at 7 in the morning and going all day until the show. And I'm, you know, often up very early and, you know, I'm working two jobs and doing the podcast and, and all these things. So, you know... I would like if we had more breaks in the show, more comedy clips personally, because it gives a little bit of time to recharge uh, when you're running low on steam. But Norm wants it more to be sort of a free-flowing conversation show, which I understand. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's I like the time length and stuff, but it also makes it for a challenge. But that's what I like, too. You know, that, that's the thing. Uh, I want to I want to be able to do radio in my sleep. So if I'm 10 percent there. You know what I mean? That's good practice. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's always good to challenge yourself. And and like you said, like um, you know, you're trying to become, you're trying to be more like uh, on the spot comedy, you know, uh, and, and uh, keeping it lighter, which is, you know, can translate well for for your show and uh, I guess for for life in general. You know, just translating it to your job and just being funny and a good, um, you know, interpersonal skills, I guess, right? Um, yeah, but, exactly. Um, and I'm also trying to draw from the shows that inspire me. Like, you know, like I'm trying to, to bust Norm's balls and give him a bit more of a hard time. And like, I'm seeing him getting used to that, but it's like, you listen to Opie and Anthony, they aren't sitting there being nice to each other. Like you swear those two guys hate each other. I'm not trying to go there with Norm, but I'm trying to yeah. bring a little bit of that, that American, like, you know, busting balls kind of style in too. So I think that's what I'm, what I'm trying to bring in. Is that, yeah, and you mentioned before some of the, the podcasts uh, that you were like uh, listening to or, or looking at when you were younger. Are there certain show like certain shows or podcasts that you uh, listen to regularly and that kind of inspire you um, that, that you look at and say, wow, this is kind of like what something I can add to our show or my show or you know what I'm doing in my life? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, in, in all of my spare time, essentially, like if I'm, you know, if I come in and I'm making a snack in my house after work, I click a random Howard Stern clip, 
you know, on YouTube. I'm a Howard Stern addict. I, I really, every time I lay down to go to sleep, my phone is next to me playing Howard Stern on shuffle uh, very quietly in the background. It's just a constant feed of radio. Um, I just want a constant feed of the best in my head uh, when I'm listening to music. It's only the best. It's like the, the Bible of hip hop, the Bible of rock, um, because I'm just trying to absorb greatness at all times and try to achieve that in my product, not for an ego driven reasons, just because I want to feel proud of what I'm making. Uh, and I want it. I want people to hear that and say, that's some of the best. So, you know, I just listen to that. Uh, Adam Carolla, Opie and Anthony. Um, essentially just really the greats. And uh, I try to learn everything I can from them and hear the way that they interact with each other. Uh, it's, it's a guy it's almost, like... Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, no, is no, a guy ahead. like uh, Joe Rogan like an inspiration too? Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, for me, sometimes some of his interviews get a little bit complex. And like you said, kind of, you know, away from comedy where they start talking about like aliens or, you know, yeah. just like the structure of society and, you know what 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 experiences are like when they're on certain types of drugs and uh for me it gets a little bit crazy and whack sometimes but you know i uh i was a huge joe rogan fan when he first started uh, i think i jumped on board at episode 101 with adam carolla i think that was that was the first episode i ever clicked and so i got the double whammy of exposure um and you know i i loved what joe did in the beginning uh, the past couple of years, I don't really listen to the podcast. I'll drop in like, you know, for the Alex Jones drama, I dropped in for the Twitter drama, I'll drop in. Um, but I'm, I'm, uh, I think Joe's great at what he does. I'm just not a listener anymore because I feel like it's changed. Um, and I feel like the fan base has changed and it's become, uh, the, I think his fan base as well has almost become a caricature of itself, um, in, in, to a certain degree. So uh, I'm not crazy big on it anymore, uh, but guys like Joey Diaz, guys, guys like that who stick to their roots, that I'm, I'm more of a fan of. Great. And uh, I guess one of, my, one of my last questions here, you know, I always like to ask, you know, uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm only starting out, but my uh, hopes for this is to interview people in um, different industries and different fields and things like that. Do you find there's any, like, what would you say is probably, like, the biggest uh, misconception of uh, people, you know, that do podcasts or that are on radio that, uh, that you know, affect you or, or people in your industry that maybe aren't necessarily true, that you can shed some light on having had, you know, personal experiences uh, with it? Is there, is there certain things, um, you know... I mean, probably from from the out outset, you know, things things might look pretty pretty easy, you know, doing a, doing a podcast and just just hitting play. But I bet you, I don't know, I don't want to answer for you, but probably a lot right. of work goes in behind the behind the scenes, right? Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I think that the biggest misconception. It's funny. Uh, but we had a guest on, on Comic Genius the other night, and I said, uh, Norm said, Cassius hasn't gone on stage yet. He hasn't done his set. And I said, I just do my set on the podcast. And the girl, I thought I was joking. She was like, oh, podcasting. Oh, my God. Laughing it off yeah. as if it was some type of joke. And then they jumped in, and they sort of started saying my resume and this and that and the other thing. And she was like, oh, 
So I think like the big, the biggest misconception is that a podcast is something that some dude is doing, uh, you know, talking about Legos and talking about nerdy stuff. I mean, the reality is that some of the the biggest people in Hollywood right now, uh, and the people who are who are going to be, I'm all about the future. I see the people who are going to be huge. It's a lot of it's through podcasting. Um, yeah, you know, so that's that's probably the thing is that it, it can't lead to anything. Uh, it can't lead to, I think that one of the, the most true things that people say is a misconception is that there's no money in it. Right. I, I don't think there's much money in it. I think I've really come to the conclusion after 11 years that the only way to make money off podcasting is if you're doing a lot of other stuff uh, to make you in in the public eye. Honestly. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to be out there to tell people about it and then yeah attract the following that makes sense. If there's somebody uh, you know that is thinking about uh, starting a YouTube channel or uh, or a podcast or uh, or, or fitness radio those sorts of things, uh, what, what is the what is the biggest piece of advice or the, or the thing that you can recommend? Or suggest? Um, I would say. You know, as long as it, as long as you don't have a setup that looks like you're recording on a potato or something like, or a calculator, uh, <laughs> right. just set it up and do it. You know, like just try yeah. it out. Even if you don't, like, post a video on YouTube and make it private and just have it there for you, um, and just check it out. And then, like, try making another one and upload it on private. And if you like it, you know, make it public. Um, like, you know, just get used to seeing yourself on camera get used to hearing your own voice back it's weird at first you know like i'm just learning how to make music now and it's so strange because i'm so used to hearing myself speaking into a microphone but when i start trying to do something with melody it's i it's it's like my first time podcasting all over again so like it's just get used to it keep doing it and like the only way that you're gonna make any progress is if you're just actively trying otherwise nothing's gonna happen Okay, great. I have one, one, one other thing I want to ask you about, just because th- this for me was a, was a personal thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, yeah, I got time, man. So on uh, when, when you did the, the interview with uh, John Dunsworth, Mr. Leahy, uh, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore, but uh, it, that was that was you know you're pretty young then, but um, yeah. Are there are there things? remember from from that particular experience that that that, uh, that you can share you know given that you know he's not with us anymore you know that must be pretty uh you know cool that you got to spend some time and you know sit down with him you know from that interview you know it was probably about half an hour or so i would say and yeah is there anything that you know stood out from that experience to you that, that you can share maybe yeah you know, uh, well, first of all, John Dunsworth, one of the most incredible people I've ever got to meet. I mean, just, you know, just a pure person, you know, just a, uh, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about the guy. And it is unique, uh, you know, for many reasons. Uh, one being the fact that I happen to live uh, in the area, uh, like an hour outside of where they film Trailer Park Boys. Uh, and I was involved in acting and theater. And then I ended up meeting John's daughter, Sarah, who I didn't even know was on Trailer Park Boys. Um, 
and all of these things. And then when we eventually met, it was in Edmonton. So like people didn't realize that I lived in Nova Scotia and there was a, a oh. background. Yeah. So it was just like Sarah came over to my house and did my podcast when I was 14. And it was like weird. I'm watching Trailer Park Boys and then the like the girl from the show like comes in and sits on my couch. It was like it was a weird thing. Um, but nonetheless, uh, and I'm thinking about doing a video about this, actually, just because in that interview, if you really listen, John warns essentially of what he knows is coming for me. Like he knew what age I was 16. And he's saying things like, you know, a lot of most teenagers, all they care about is getting drunk and getting laid and all these things. And you can see that he's happy that I wasn't that way there. Clearly, obviously, I was a virgin. Um, but no, but uh, he can, you know, he he also, I think, was a little nervous, hoping that I wouldn't become that way. Um, and, you know, that means a lot to me, just seeing that somebody would care after just sort of meeting me for a little while. So, uh, you know, that was just, I think, a powerful experience. And it almost felt like uh, an uncle just like trying to look out for me. So, yeah, it was just, it, mean, it meant a lot. And we went to see the show that night afterwards. And seeing, you know, like the whole room worship him as Leahy, you like seeing him master his craft. Yeah. It was so special. What surprised me is how, uh, you know, he's very, very sincere and very, very different than the than the character that he plays on TV, you know. And like you said, like he wants to, uh, you know, uh, be be a positive role role model on society. And I think sort of what surprised me is as much as he loves being the character, probably the fact that fans or, or a lot of people that know him as late always come up to him and they want to give him alcohol or whatever, you know, weed or whatever, yeah. whatever else. You know, that probably kind of has an effect on you too, because you know, you want to be known as uh, as John Dunsworth and not just, you know, Mr. Leahy, like always having to be on as that character. Um, so that's what kind of stood out to me. Um, yeah. For that. Uh, but yeah, again, like, uh, I highly recommend as well uh, checking out a lot of your stuff on YouTube. Uh, like, Comic Genius show you do has a lot of uh, the people that I've had a chance to share some stages with. Uh, yeah. Like vocal guys and then Mike Dambra and you have regulars like Lars Calio who either come in or call to the studio. So uh, before before we go, uh, can you uh, maybe share some of your uh, social media or where they can find uh, more about you if, if, if they're interested in checking out some of your stuff? Definitely. Yeah. My, my most active social media is on Instagram at Cassius Morris underscore. Uh, obviously I guess the spelling will be in the title of this. Um, I'm on Twitter at Cassius Morris and facebook.com slash Cassius show is the Cassius Morris show Facebook page. So go ahead and like it for, uh, updates and there's episodes on youtube and apple podcasts every week. I, I thank you for having me, Nick. This was great. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. Very for good joining me and uh yeah hopefully uh we can uh meet in person uh, in the near future and uh yeah yeah have some more cool stories to tell thank you so much for joining me and uh have a great day cash